Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first episode of The Last Hit 2021. This is the podcast officially about the LPL, and I'm sure that we will dabble in a couple of other topics as we go. My name is Munchables. I'll be hosting the show for you, and I'm going to be joined by Dagda and Clement for the first episode. Just before we do start the discussion, don't forget we are going to be on YouTube, we're going to be on Twitch, and most importantly, we're going to be on Spotify as well. So if you need something to listen to on your commute, then feel free to join us for some banter. But I want to start the whole thing off by just saying, welcome back, Clement. Welcome back to the LPL casting team. We missed you last year. How are you doing, mate? I'm doing great. It's finally good to be back in the field. And I got to tell you, these seven days are absolutely killing me. I I don't know how you guys made it through (laughs) last year, but... The amount of casting, the amount of games, the amount of excitement, it's its its so overbearing and it definitely feels like home. <laughs> yeah, I think its uh, it's one of those things where I, I love that it's on seven days a week. I enjoy being able to watch it. And if it's not on for a day, then I like miss the LPL immediately. But you sometimes know. when you have to get up at the first thing in the morning to it's, watch the games, yeah. I'm in the UK oh. right now. <laughs> I can't the early mornings, mornings are a killer. Man. And especially now, because obviously the Dagatron has come in full force and my internet is just gone. Yeah. Uh, I have to travel to Penguins. So I have to get up at 5am to go and travel to Penguins <laughs> to be able to cast. So I get there, I'm half bleary eyed trying to start the tech rehearsal. I'm just like, this is awful. And like, it's seven days a week, so yeah. it's not even like I get much of a rest. <laughs> yeah, and just a quick shout out to Penguin as well, because for anyone that missed those shows, a couple of times when me and Rob have been casting, his internet will die yeah. midway through the cast, so then uh, Penguin was luckily awake, so he could just step in and, and help us out. But yeah, so the the LPL is well and truly on the underway, and uh, for anyone that is... I was going to say for anyone that's not listened before, this is episode one, so <laughs> I'm going to just assume nobody's listened before, because it's the first episode. Um, this is the 24th of January that we are speaking right now, so take everything that we say in the context of the fact that week three has just ended this morning, uh, and we will be moving into week four of the LPL. So, in three weeks' time, when you listen to this podcast, please don't flame us for saying a team that is good, <laughs> that hasn't lost a game just yet, but has suddenly gone terrible in week four. That's not our fault, okay. Um, all right, let's 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 start things off, though. I want to kick off with a, a kind of a fun segment. Um, and this is for let's you go. guys, uh, Clement and Dagda. I'm going to play a game with you called Guess the Player. Now, what I want you to do is I'm going to give you three clues. The first one should be a fairly hard clue. Second one will be a little bit easier. Then the third one should be like a, an absolute giveaway clue. And whoever is able to guess the name of the player that I'm talking about first okay. will get a point. I'm just putting it out there first. Clement's been a part of the LPL for five, six times the amount oh. of time that I've been part of it. So <laughs> don't try to raise so, the stakes. No, on no. Me. What Come I'm on. saying is, I I, if I get one sixth of his points off of this show, I'm going to be pretty happy, all right? Because I do not the amount. So when I'm talking to Clement sometimes, there'll just be points where he's just like dropping massive knowledge bombs that I had absolutely no idea of. Just in casual conversation, I'm like, I needed to know this. This is really good information. But you only get it like little drips here and there. But like he's got everything about the LPL in his brain. You'll get used to this. This is what happened when I first landed on the LPL because Raz would tell me something about the LDL. And I would look at him and go like, not even the Chinese casters bother to watch LDL. What are you talking about, you know? Like, I watched the LMS, which doesn't exist anymore. Does that count? And you'll get used to it, man. You'll get used to it. It's totally fine. Hey, you, you but, still got those knowledge bobs about, you know, Casa, yeah. about Maple. I do want to ask, though, 
what leads up to the points? After we get our points, do we oh, get no. cookies or is there something at the end of it? <laughs> well, depending on how the schedule goes and how consistently I can have uh, guests on the show, which it's a work in progress. We'll figure that out as we go. Okay. I am going to be tracking these points. So whoever has the most points at the end of the season and whoever has the least points at the end of the season, uh, things will happen. I'm leaning more towards the forfeits than the prizes. Um <laughs> because I guess I believe in capital punishment. Um, I want to punish you guys. So I think you meant corporal punishment. Yeah, I didn't mean capital. capital. I meant <laughs> yeah, corporal right. punishment. I mean, it was like the cogs were turning in my head. I was like, wait a second. Did I just like that's harsh. That's guys? really harsh. So uh, so yeah, your life is in danger, guys. If you don't, no pressure. If you don't get the yeah. answers. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's start. Guess the player. Uh, if you get it on the first clue, you get three points for this round. It, second two and third one so if you get a really good guess you can just win it over the top there's going to be three players you can guess so high stakes all right so first player my my harder clue is uh he left the lpl this year sword art not sword art clement you gotta guess <laughs> what oh, not sword art he left the lpl um can we ask things in returns like is it was was it due to retirement or was it due to like being traded away no, you just get you just get the clue. You just get that. He left the LPL this year. Which hilarious I have actually just realized that that's not actually true. So <laughs> pretend the first clue didn't what? happen. What? So hang on, right. <laughs> These let's clues just quickly, are terrible. I've <laughs> completely messed this up. Alright, so let's just quickly clarify then. Uh he did not leave the LPL, but he is not currently playing in the LPL. So he retired. But he did play in twenty twenty. Oh, so he became a coach then, that's what you're saying. I'm not saying that, no. So he, I'm saying precisely what I said. So he, Should we go to the second <laughs> clue? Is that going to be better? Okay, let's, let's, let's go, go to the let's second go. clue. Let's go. So, so he was playing in 2020. He's still in the LPL in some capacity. Okay. Um, <laughs> second clue is he has done some modeling work recently outside of Oh. LPL. How How recent? I, I'm just uh, giving you. I'm not giving okay. you extra context on the clues. I think it's someone who's. Is it someone who's been at? Oh, I know, I know. Do you want Say to go the first? Then. What? Oh, Ning. It's not Ning. Oh, uh, it's either one of two. Can I guess two people? You can have one uh, guess, and then we do another clue. Okay, I'm going very recent. Is it teacher ma? It's yes! teacher ma. <laughs> ding 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 ding. <laughs> All right. Two points deducted. Two Let's points go. Because you know well he's done. doing modeling. It popped up on I Twitter. I never catch up with that stuff. <laughs> it was on. Oh, it was on. I wasn't sure if it was Mitsuki because Mitsuki last year yeah. left. That was what I was, trying, I wasn't to, sure. I was trying to bait you guys yeah. into Mitsuki. Yeah. Um, I was okay. going for Nim because all the world's players actually they they send them to like the high yeah. fashion magazines and stuff like that. So it's crazy, that's isn't it? New. Jackie Love is still doing modeling like while he's playing at LPL yeah. as well. Like every week, I see some new Jackie Love fashion shoot that he's done. It's absolutely nuts. Anyway, on to the second player. So I nearly said the name of the player. <laughs> um, the first clue, and this one's very vague. This player is the opposite of his name. Opposite of his name. Beishan. Missing. It's not Beishan, and it's not missing. Uh, uh, what what does Beishan uh, mean? Sadness. Beishan means yeah, oh, sorrow. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that one. <laughs> um, actually, both very good guesses. Uh, both incorrect. <laughs> um, 
All right. So clue number two, he's in a constant state of 1v9. Oh, the shy? It's not the shy. Oh, that was a good guess, but it's more like oh. the rest of his team carrying him. So <laughs> let's see. Who is that? <laughs> <laughs> I think I know. What do you got, Clement? All right. Give, give me a guess in uh, five. Oh. Four, oh, three, he's joking! Uh, he's joking! Shahu! 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 One. It's not Shahu. It's not Shahu. <sighs> okay. And then clue number C. Number C. Clue C. Clue <laughs> Letter three. number B- two. <laughs> he has won the Summoners Cup Rookie. for the LPL. Rookie. It's rookie. Yeah. You got it. <laughs> once it was, the, once it was, wasn't the shot. I was like, yeah, it's definitely rookie. Yeah. I'm glad I gave uh, this disclaimer and now it's going really well. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, you were just you were just yeah. lowering the expectation, but uh setting it all up. <laughs> Alright, so I think Rob at this point has won. Even if you got it on the first guess, you still lose, unfortunately, right. Clement. But I'm gonna do the third one anyway. Um just okay. for the sake of competition. Or the sake of uh, I don't know, because I want it. Alright. <laughs> Clue number one for player three. Twenty twenty was his first year in the LPL. I'm gonna let Clement go first, and then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he had to be some sort of a rookie, just joined the league. Uh, Think about significant been... rookies of 2020. I have an inkling. Yeah, who who won Rookie of the Year in 2020? No, dude, <laughs> that's that my guess. <laughs> that year I didn't cast. I know 2019, but I can't I can't pin in on 2020. So it was Bane in 2020. I don't know. If... Oh, yeah. Bane in one phone, probably one of those two. <laughs> either you're gonna make a guess or uh, okay okay i'll 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 go with one phone because i feel like there's yeah, more story i'll go, I'll go the opposite <laughs> it was <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> no, what <laughs> <laughs> so tag to win tag to wins with uh what was that six points six points God, in total please don't don't give me capital um, punishment. Don't worry. Uh, it's gonna be at the end of the season. Season. <laughs> <gonna be> <laughs> Um So the other two clues for him were gonna be known for his uh, top lane solo kills, so that would have narrowed it down from just rookies. And then uh the third clue would have been the world's final pentakill, which I think is uh, <laughs> yeah. fairly obvious as a clue since he's the only person in the category. Okay, so moving on from guess the player. I hope that warmed you guys up a little bit and uh Got the conversation flowing a little bit. Let's talk about the LPL and have a bit of a rundown of our standings because it has been mental, let's be honest. It has been such a crazy start to the year. For anyone that's missed out on all of the LPL so far, um, I'll try and give you a bit of a verbal rundown. I'm not going to go through every single team, but topping the standings right now are EDG and WE both in first place if this is up to date did we go to we are so they just won wins, today right? they just won today so they're oh is that their fifth win yeah, today yeah. okay so we in sole possession of first place at five and zero edg second in uh four and zero then rng third at three and zero guys yeah. what year is it i know that this meme has already been done on twitter and everything but we edg and rng topping the standings i cannot believe that is the case in 2021 it's back to 2017, baby. Yeah. These are the exact three world representatives that year. And, you know, I think a lot of the fan base 
has been energized because these are the guys that really have the most fans, have the most people looking at them, and have the most history. So, you know, it's a fun time to be kind of a LPL aficionado because you can kind of bully the newcomers with all these things you know about the earlier days. <laughs> I mean, look. It's boomer league, It's the first basically. time Clearlove gets an M for EDG, and suddenly EDG are top of the table, you know? I'm just saying. He may oh, not have played. Wow. He may not have played. But, yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's cool to see. And definitely... I know a lot of people, like EDG people, had massively high hopes for these guys, so I'm delighted to see them living up to the standard. Um, especially players like Viper, I think, have looked absolutely stellar on that team. Um, same when I look across at WE. I was a little bit nervous when I saw Shanks to the get-go. I was like, he's not really having the best of times. I mean, he got slammed in lane a couple of times, and I was just like, this is not going to go well. Um, and mm-hmm. some very obvious like rookie mistakes. Um, but certainly as it's gone on, Shanks has had brilliant games. I mean, today he yeah. had that big shockwave that end up bringing back the fight against LNG where we had um, the massive engage from the Alistair like it just there's a couple of plays like that where it's like okay cool we can actually get these from Shanks but it, yeah. they're kind of a little bit hit or miss so I'm giving him time to develop into the league but he could definitely over the course of the year turn into some superstar mid laner and then WE just off to the races I just want to give a quick random shout out to Iwandi on that yeah. one, that play you're talking oh, about. Oh, so clear. Game number two between LNG and WE, Iwandi literally got a five-man yeah. headbutt pulverized. Yeah. I don't the, know if I've ever seen a five-man so headbutt sad. pulverized before. It's insane. The only, they still lost the, the fight The only somehow. reason they lost the fight was that like everyone on WE had flashes. So like they gets the five-man headbutt, they all land, and like four of them flash away. So one person gets caught in this massive galio that came down after. If anyone else didn't have a flash, that fight was just gone. Like it was LNG who'd come back off. Yeah. He, he was trying his damn best, but uh, didn't work out for them. W managed to get the win. As we said, they're 5-0 and zero right now. Who are the teams that you guys are kind of keeping your eye on? Because, you know, we've got a lot of teams that were coming into the league with pretty big expectations that really haven't lived up just yet. So we've got, like, Sooning, Top Esports, even IG, E-Star as well as a team that I think a lot of people are excited about. JD Gaming are very low down in the standings. Like, who are some of the teams that you think are going to recover and who are some of the teams that you think maybe are going to stay towards the bottom half so i'll go first by kind of giving everyone a lay of the land i don't want to jump in too fast but essentially <laughs> we have you know 17 teams you guys are probably gonna have the graphics there's bottom four that everyone kind of knows are the lottery teams rogue warriors lgd thunder talk gaming oh my god uh, we're not going to be talking about those teams too much because they're you know they're essentially trying their luck out with ldl players um, and towards the top of it, one to thirteen, all of all of these teams could be in playoffs. Uh, honestly, the the difference between these teams is very very minimal. So we have a very bifurcated league, and you know, going into this discussion, whoever actually makes it out into the top four or the top two, where you you're guaranteed a loser bracket, I think it's going to come down to one or two games. So it's it's a very very exciting league. And with that out of the way, I do want to jump into one team that I thought performed a lot better than my expectations. And that team is going to be Fun Plus Phoenix. Because uh, if you look at their changes, they only added Nuggery. And honestly, for me and a lot of people, we didn't think that that would fix all of their problems. LWX was, you know, he didn't have the best of 2020. Mm-hmm. And Tin and Doinby just kind of looked off throughout the year as well. But this season around, there was some sort of a chemical reaction actually happening on this team. Nuggery looked insanely good. And Fun Plus Phoenix, 
they they captured a lot of what reminded us of 2019. These weird picks being played in the mid lane. We see Doinby with his uh, solo queue rise coming back, with his Kled <laughs> coming back, and LWX actually having a very very good split. He's very proficient on the Aphelios. He's killer on the Kaisa, and this team is just moving together really well. And something that was super surprising is that they're actually team fighting well as well. This is not a team that, you know, really relied on team fighting and a huge reason of their downfall in 2020 was because we had the Dragon Timers go down to five minutes and they had to 5v5 all the time. It was all about lane priority. Suddenly you add Nuggery back into the mix and this is a team that can roll with the Drakes and actually contest you on all fronts. So I'm super excited to have our world champion finally be back in the mix for that discussion. And I think it does feel very 2019-y with this team, doesn't it? Yeah. Sorry, go I was on, just going to say, I think it, one of the things that's underrated about Nuggery is just, like, how well he absorbs pressure. Like, every time yeah. I see a game, he's, like, he he's dies. just, like, he's got, he's an imposter that has a, a little vault beside him that he just hops into. Anytime someone tries to go and gank him in the top lane, it's just, like, cool. He just dips out of there. And they're, like, where the hell did this guy go? I can't remember what game it was. But he was on the, the Gragas. And there's like five members of the enemy team that oh, are all con- congregating down towards the bot side. To, and yeah. he just worms his way out. I'm like, how? How do you do that? Like, <laughs> it was just ridiculous. But from an FPX point of view, this is fantastic. Because it means that you've got this guy who's so cognizant and intelligent that he's able to worm his way out of these situations. And relieve so much pressure from the rest of the map. Because they're sending two, three, four guys up there. They're not getting anything. And then you guys make the cross map with LWX and Chris. But as Clement said, are back on form. And... Like, it's coming up trumps across the board. They just look fantastic. I thought they were going to be at max, like, six or yeah. fifth. But right same. now, they're yeah. they're contending for top four, really. And, uh, no, I'm not sure how the raccoons work in uh, South Korea. But in America, <laughs> they, they have a knack for digging themselves out of dumpsters. They can go all over the place. And Nuggery definitely has that spirit with him. <laughs> so what you're saying is... Uh, FPX is the dumpster that Nuggery has climbed himself into. Oh, no, I'm saying the, the people that are surrounding him. You know, no, no, I'm not, not, not FPX. <laughs> At least it's not oh, the dumpster God. fire uh, everyone was expecting. <laughs> I, so I want to, I'm going to just pitch something to you guys, and you guys tell me if I'm going too far here. Like, when I watch FPX, especially recently when Bo comes into the squad, right? They, they've just got a, a new jungler in who's an LDL jungler. He was on the E-Star Youth uh, squad that finished fourth, if I'm not mistaken, in the LDL last year. Um, he'd been scrimming with them in the off-season and playing some duo queue with Doombi as well. So there was like a, there was a bit of preparation in there to an extent. So I think maybe FPX knew that uh, Tian was going to be stepping down from the roster, at least for the time being. Um, he's not retired or anything. Don't worry, guys. He's just uh, needs some time for his personal health. Um, this team and the fact that they were able to still succeed with this new jungler coming in and maybe even look mildly stronger like i think this is a team that could be contesting for finals do you think that's an exaggeration at this point in the like when i look at them play they look there's something like exciting about watching this team play there's something almost magical there when you're watching the way that they play around the map and the way that they kind of weave this chaos but it's it's controlled chaos do you know what i mean like there's something there i would want to start this conversation by going back to the first point we started where what year is this because team we edg rng are not are on top and why this is so surprising is not just because, you know, two of these teams weren't actually playoff teams last split, last split. It's more because nobody really saw them here because their overall talent level 
isn't really that high. Uh, if we look at the entirety of the LPL, mm-hmm. and I, I would say outside of EDG, EDG are are in the top three, no problem, because their talent level in, is high, but no one really expected WE and RNG to make that leap that far forward. And if we're talking about if FPX are going to be in the finals or not, I think the real question that we're asking uh, behind that is, are Team WE and are Team RNG going to, you know, keep... <sighs> keep top esports or are they going to keep jd gaming are they going to keep fun plus phoenix from reaching those heights or is gravity finally going to pull them down are the averages finally going to show up and they're going to be pulled more towards their actual placing after chinese new year i think that's kind of the big question in on everyone's mind and kind of the overarching goal for probably this podcast is figuring out hey is we is rng actually legit (laughs) i'm kind of in the same boat like if I'm thinking of finals, I kind of already look at EDG at least hitting semis already. I'm probably pushing the finals. They look really clean. But also just when you look at the teams they're beating, like I just have it here on my second screen. It's like they've already beaten FPX. They've already beaten JDG. I mean, these are two of the teams that we consider at least playoff teams anyway. I mean, JDG obviously struggling. I'm not going to give any excuses for that. But at least when you go into the mindset of how this is going to look. WE as well haven't beaten Sooning. Oh, sorry, they didn't beat Sooning. beat IG, sorry. And V5, again, two teams that I'm putting towards the top of the table. Like, having these early wins at least gives them a little bit of breathing room towards the end of the split. And especially when we look at how often those playoff spots come down to head-to-heads. And if you just have to show less when you get to playoffs, like, you're only getting into, you're doing semis or quarters, and you've still got that mm-hmm. loser bracket, don't forget, because of the playoff change, you get two chances to get into the finals. Like, you're in pretty good shape if you're, like, EDG and WE at this stage. And I think the big thing here for me with FPX is, you know, what happens when they do go up against the the really, really tough guys? Because we have seen a little bit, I think they played against Sunni, wasn't it? Um, but they end up losing to... They lost to EDG. They lost to EDG, yeah. But yeah. yeah, they did beat Sunni, which is a plus, but obviously losing to EDG kind of throws a little bit of a wrench in the works. And I'm curious to see as the split goes on and after Chinese New Year, how this starts to go. And especially with Bo coming into the roster. Like, Bo is a big unknown yeah. for me and a, a big change to the style of FPX as well. We started to see a little bit of it, but certainly as Chinese New Year comes on, how does Bo affect this? Yeah, I just want to be... force a straight answer out of you because I, w- I like being adventurous <laughs> and I want to hide the fact that I didn't actually answer the question. <laughs> so is it a yes or no from you, Daga? <laughs> Are they actually in finals? <laughs> With Bo- if Bo works, if Bo works, yes. I think that's the that was the big oh, thing for me. No, you okay. can't add a caveat to a yes okay. or no. Well, this is... <laughs> shut up, all right? Let me explain. Let me explain, all right? The okay, problem okay. is, I like Bo's style. I think Bo fits the meta and is exactly what FPX needs. But And I have seen, like, Crisp and Doomby start to work towards him. We saw it in their last series where, you know, Crisp was invading with them and making sure that Bo could actually get these massive leads and why he had, like, 26 MVPs from the LDL or something. Like, this style works so well for him. So, yes, if they keep playing that style. But I know what FPX is like, and every so often they just go, now, nah, I mean, we tried to play around Khan, it worked for our game, and then the second time we're like, no, this doesn't work, let's just screw it. So, if they stick to the style that we saw in the last series, I think yes. Um, they have a very high chance, but I don't know for certain if they're going to stick to that. So, you uh, do you think it's going to happen, though? No. With no caveats? <laughs> no. No. Blind no. guess. There's no, no. There's no points attached to this yeah. one. I just want to. I, I just want to. You go just said no. Because... Yeah. <laughs> I said no. You I said, said no. no. I said no. Oh, right. said okay, no. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Go on, Clement. Uh, 
So, so now that I finally bought enough time by setting up Dagna, <laughs> I have my answer. I, this I, is how he I, gets I, me back for the icebreaker. No. In your He's manipulating yeah. the podcast. <laughs> Don't let him. Look at me. I'm hey, the host now. Sometimes you have to play the host. <laughs> good catch, good catch. But I, I think top esports, for me, top esports and EDG look like the two teams that are going to hit the finals. That's what I believe in. And, uh, you know... I would say FPX could hit the finals with the caveat of the loser finals <laughs> because we do have those now. So, you know, it's kind of a cop-out. That is but... the biggest cop-out. No, I mean the, with, like, the actual final. Actual final. Yeah, the actual finals, I think it's EDG. Uh, well, it's kind of hard to say because, you know, you always have brackets happening when they might not even be on the same side throughout the entire thing. But uh, uh, they might be on the same side for the entire thing. But mm -hmm. EDG and uh, FPX for me would be my two finals teams. They're looking like the uh, uh, EDG and top esports. They have the most talent overall. And what we've seen through the splits is that, you know, top esports, they might look really bad during the split. But come playoffs, they do shape up. Now, I know that that fantasy has kind of been broken up by Worlds because they didn't shape up when everyone was kind of expecting <laughs> yeah. and hoping them would. But... For domestic, I still think talent outweighs a lot of other factors, mm -hmm. and I do expect EDG and Top Esports to be the ones. I just really want JDG back. Like, I just want them to be... I know. Like, we, they gave us two absolute banger finals in both spring and summer, and then just to Aww. see them just not being able to form at all is so sad. Yeah. Honestly, I'm so worried about finals this year. Yeah. Because spring and summer 2020 finals both five yeah. game absolute bangers two teams that are like almost perfectly matched totally different stylistically they've got absolute pop-off players in so many different roles it's like that's pretty much as much as you could hope for out of a pair of finals across a year like am i ever gonna have another year of lpl where, where we have both finals be that consistently great between the same two teams as well like I'm kind of nervous now that my expectations of what <laughs> yeah, I should see in the finals spoiled. are way too high. <laughs> we've been spoiled on our first year. And now it's like, oh, well. <laughs> yeah. All right. I, I do want to segue the conversation slightly because we've talked about some of the teams. I want to hit on RNG before we move away from the standings here because the, the obviously there's a bit of hype building around RNG. Everyone's very excited that it's specifically RNG alongside EDG and WE, right? But there's a massive caveat here in the the teams that they've beaten they went 2-1 against Suning which you know great stuff but they've also beaten TT and OMG yeah. who are both sat at the bottom of the standings without a single like win I'm not how much should people at home be tempering their expectations of this RNG squad look I'm the RNG guy so I'm here to dampen all expectations alright <laughs> <laughs> I'm not convinced I think that this is look Sunin are struggling massively, and as much as it is a nice to pick up a win, Sunin have got a whole heap of problems that we're clearly seeing on the screen. I don't think TT are actually going to pick up a win this year. I think TT suck. I don't think they are even. I don't. I think they're going to match V5's uh, spring split record. That's honestly where I see this team. So when I look at a massively struggling Sunin, TT who I don't rate at all, OMG who I don't. I actually, to be fair, cold. Good on you, lad. You've massively improved since summer. But apart from that. The rest, and Eric as well, actually. The bot lane's pretty good. But OMG, don't rate either. I don't... I can get this... Oh, 3-0, look, they're top of the table. I'm not buying the hype train ticket. I'm not sold. I think that they're going to go up against the, the better teams like Top Esports, WE, EDG, and they're just going to get destroyed. And it's going to be a very rude awakening for the people that don't expect it. 
So I, I totally agree with you. The three zero right now, it, it's like a mirage. You know, you you it's, you're, you're walking in the desert. You see like this great city and all that waterfalls and stuff like that and palm trees. It's not actually there. It, the the schedule is the main reason for this three zero. That is totally true. However, I do think that this team has showcased a lot of things that I'm willing to put faith in. And one of the big things that I think a lot of players uh, that watch 2018 will be happy with is that sort of flex potential between Shahu and Crying, who are both mid laners, and now Shahu, surprise, is playing in the top side, doing actually very well. And it ri- reminds me a lot of the dynamic between uh, Zatai and Shahu when they were playing on the, that year in 2018, where uh, they were doing a lot of interesting flex picks on the blue side, a lot of rise and going into different lanes. Uh, Gragas was another huge pick that year as well for them. And they were very, very successful, not just because of the caliber of players, um, but because of their macro and their ability to play 1-3-1. You know, we tend to think of RNG as this monolithic feed-the-puppy team, but when they were at their peak and when they were the best team in the LPL, what they were doing was actually a lot of 1-3-1. It was a lot of flexing flexing between uh, Shahu and Zatai, making sure they had winning lanes all across the board. And this RNG really reminds me of that phase where they had that that sort of renaissance that they had where where they really understood how to play around a number of a number of champions very, very well. Like I mentioned, Gragas and Rise were two one of the two of the main things and then try to swap them around for maximum advantage on the map and actually have lane priority. It wasn't all about the team fighting for them just yet. So this is an RNG that is actually going back to something in in their history that is tried and true. And I also like the level of talent that they have. Like even even if they don't match up to top esports or JD gaming, this is a very talented roster and it definitely is going to be for me um uh, somewhere between the, uh, I would say, the fifth to seventh mark in the LPL. I know a lot of people are kind of looking at, like, Crying and Shouhu. The biggest person for me in this has been Wei. Like, I think Wei is so damn good. Like, the, and he fits so well with this team. Like, super aggressive, wants to get involved with the laners. And as Clement was saying, when you're going for these, like, lane-dominant styles, having a jungler that's able to bounce off that and even just set you up, where whether it be, like, deep ward, so then you can, like, play this super aggressive um, topside, so you can actually put the pressure down on something like Nar or whatever it might be. Like, it's super nice to see him, plus also getting a bunch of kills in the early stages in these lanes. Like, I think Wei has just been such a nice fit for this team but also to see him bounce from e-stars into such a star-studded roster has been really really good i just want to add shahu is much better than you and he's much better than Xiaobai. so yeah. whoever's running that front <laughs> office in rng good for you well done <laughs> <laughs> all right fair enough i just on the point of shahu i'm just gonna say please don't ever play malphite ap top again <laughs> At that point, I will bring back Capital Punishment, <laughs> and it'll be on my podcast guests, unfortunately, because I have no access to show. But, like, uh, yeah, AP, Malphite Top, don't, just, please don't. Don't do that to me. Um, last team I want to bring up before we move on from just hitting on teams at random is V5, because I know, obviously, within the Western fan base, there's a huge amount of hype for V5 right now. They're currently sat at fifth place in the standings, now above LGD, because... Uh, LGD lost this morning to WE. Where do you guys sit on V5? Because some of their games as well, like they've beaten Rogue Warriors and LGD for two of their wins. So obviously, again, similar to RNG, those are uh, very low down on the standings. They also beat BLG though, which is a fairly respectable roster. And they went 2-1, or 1-2, I guess, against WE. So it's not like 
they're un- incapable of taking games against some of the top teams. Like, where where do they sit in your expectations? Is fifth a reasonable place for them to be? Uh, I would actually bump them down lower. Uh, we had a lot of talk about V5 before the in, in the preseason, and we said that Sam D wouldn't really hurt their chances. But from my observation, I think it does change a lot of things. <laughs> I, I don't think their bot lane was as dominant as it was in 2020. And just mm-hmm. to give you guys a, a kind of a refresher, their bot lane statistically was the best bot lane in the LPL. They had the most 2v2 kills. They had the best gold lead over their opponents um, overall. And that's just not really the case in this split. And I think we have sort of underestimated how hard that would sort of hit the team uh, without that big boost in the early 15 minutes. Uh, I will also say that this team is pretty uh, one track in the way they play. Their bread and butter play last split was double herald, uh, a double tower herald mid lane play at 15. And if it gets it, they win. If you if you are able to defend against that, <laughs> they just blow up instantly. They're one of the fastest winning teams and one of the fastest losing teams at the same time. So yeah. what we've seen is that they haven't really diversified in their style. And now that their bot lane is a lot weaker, they don't really get that early game kick as they did have before. And you see a lot more late game sort of 1v5 mole performances just coming out. And mole just says like, hey, you know what? I had enough of this. I'm still the win condition. I can finish off the game. <laughs> but it's it's not really the same flavor. And I, I personally believe that I might have overrated them a little bit. The only thing I see that's a plus is probably Longxing. And uh, given BB's performances, um, I, I think Longxing does seem like a pretty solid upgrade. He has some great teleports. But... For me, it's not really enough to to plaster over the sort of weakness, the organic weakness that is coming out from the uh, the bot lane. Yeah, Clement kind of hit on everything. I echo. Um, I was surprised as well by how much of a hit Sam D was. Why four just not really doing as much? And I can kind of see it now when Sam D's over on TT that he is still trying to be somewhat aggressive. So I don't know if that's been bred into him by PP God or what it is, but definitely not having the the support level of PP God beside him is hurting both ends um and i mean the late game shot calling has always been very questionable from these guys so now that they're not getting these early game leads and able to snowball you can see that it's hurting them quite a bit and when you've got to rely on individual performers to essentially make the play to win the game i mean i suppose it's the lpl it can get you pretty far i was gonna say it can only get you so far it's the lpl it can get you pretty far right but it won't get to the final mole is going to worlds yeah mole is going to worlds 2021 (laughs) this is the year of the mole i I don't know if that's true i I don't i'm not on that train but yeah you know sometimes you believe enough in one messiah and he cares yeah (laughs) did they i i'm not sure did they announce how many world seeds regions have this year uh, no. not yet they don't do it until yet? it's not certified until after msi usually so oh okay okay but i'm I'll not get, sure i would have assume an MSI the lpl <laughs> still has four seats since we're in the final i would assume i mean there was three three of our LPL four teams were in the four, right? semifinals so i'm going to assume they're like yeah give them the four <laughs> yeah i would assume that the fourth seed four? is is we safe uh, jdg top no 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 only two only two only two in the semis only two in the Yeah, summer. it was down one G2 on the other side. Oh, true, true, true. Yeah, Because yeah, we, yeah. we we had an entire side of the bracket. Yeah, it was, yeah. 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 LPL, we killed so. ourselves off, but that doesn't yeah. really count. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, but I, I would assume that it will be top four anyway. Moving on uh, from world seeding. Um, were there any other teams that you guys specifically wanted to talk about today before we move on from talking about the standings? I know, um, Clement, you brought up... Uh, I've already forgotten who you brought up. Was it WE you brought up? 
Uh, oh, we can save them for later. I'm yeah. pretty sure we can we can s- s- stick them into a segment for later. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure. Um, um, the only one that I'm kind of keeping my eye on as well is um, BLG. I'm kind of waiting to see what way this team breaks because I'm looking at like I think Aiming has looked really really good. Uh, I think Mark has been hit or miss as i mean as mark always is but i'm kind of hoping that after chinese new year they're able to get a little bit more work with each other but i'm hoping that this team actually could i don't think they're going to win like i but it'd be interesting to see how far this team could go if it did make it to playoffs and if they can get their their stuff together yeah i think one of the brutal things about these teams that are sort of in the middle of the table or slightly lower is there are 10 slots for playoffs right but if you end up against the wrong opponent towards the start of playoffs even if you're a reasonably good team you're going to be finishing a ninth yeah. or tenth you know so um yeah certainly if there are some of these Ripped teams like for example 2020 <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly right um but like if you bring up teams like um for example jdg if jdg kind of wakes up towards the end of this season maybe they get the the shia mystic thing going maybe they just go back to Logan lumao and just get their mojo back that could happen really late in the season. They just make it into playoffs in like 10th or 9th place. But then if they can look like they did in 2020, they're just going to go through that side of the bracket and just tear down all of these middle-of-the-table teams and, and ruin dreams of everyone involved, basically. So I, I think that, with as you mentioned before, Clement, how stacked this league is right now, there is a ton of potential for dreams to be absolutely shattered when we get towards the start yeah. of playoffs. And this is super interesting because in these type of brackets, uh, you know, we, we there, there's a lot of situations where deciding which side of the bracket you're on can actually help your chances tremendously. Because there's also a yeah. chance that if you make your way up against two opponents that you're favored stylistically, then you get a loser's bracket too. So the, the jockeying here is going to be incredibly intense and uh, honestly just landing on the right foot. There, there's a really real possibility where you win one extra, get on the wrong side of the bracket and just throw your chances out. But, you know, we don't want to talk about that stuff too much. It's much yeah. more important to just focus I, on your game. I do want to hit on kind of something yeah. you hit, that you touched on there is just like how close we often end seeing the the bracket b like where it is just one win or even coming down to game difference deciding whether you get into playoffs you're seeding in playoffs yeah. and i know that everyone kind of like writes off that oh well you know it's before chinese new year but they matter like these games at the end of the like we kind of forget yeah. because the split is so long but the time we get there these games actually mean something can i mention again lgd out of 2020 because they had the best matchup in the world against we a far superior team and then they met ig who shit the bed and then they're like yeah oh we're going to worlds yeah what oh (laughs) so that's pretty good it's a real possibility (laughs) yeah yeah it was uh that was something that was something hey they they made it further though right they with how they started playing they made it a lot further that's always than i expected (laughs) Let's not talk about Worlds. It's, it's been talked about. Um, let's move on with our podcast. So uh, initially when I wrote the plan, obviously this is episode one, so forgive me that this has been quite a loose uh, format so far and we'll, we'll you know, improve it week on week. Um, originally I was going to ask you guys for a team of the week. I am worried that maybe we have talked too much about the standings and have already <laughs> talked about your guys' teams of the weeks. But uh, if not, do you want to give me them now? So uh, Dagda, we'll start with you. Um... 
I'm kind of caught between a few of them. I like we already kind of touched on FPX was kind of the one that I was looking at, uh, and again we kind of talked at length about like, hey, Nuggery coming in is giving yeah. them a lot more strategies. Whether they want to go through like playing through Nuggery, where like uh, Nuggery, by the way, we talked about it, had played a unique champion every single game that he's played in the LPL, apart from his one yesterday where he played Nar twice, and even yeah. Nar was another unique pick. He's played nine different champions so far. It's absolutely insane. So you can tell this guy's got a champion ocean and they can play so many different styles. Whether they want to bring out like the Jace for him or they want to go Nar and he plays a little bit more aggressive or he just goes back towards the Orn and he still comes out with a CS lead for some reason. Like stuff like this I think is absolutely incredible. Um, and when it then lends itself into this strong team fight that Clement already touched on um, and as well with some of the rookie talent coming in with Bo, I think this is a team that really, really could do well and we're starting to see the cogs turning. I just want to see if FPX are going to adjust as this kind of um, the internal system that they have and whether we're going to see, you know, more standard mid laners from Doombi. Like he started to go towards the victor and that kind of thing. And we actually get these front to back style team fights or if we're going to go back towards like the rumbles and the rises that he's been so proficient on even in this split and with those really creative plays. Yeah, I totally agree, man. Yeah. FPX is a, is a team that's high flying. Uh, for me, I probably have to go with WE again. That's why I kind of held out on the WE discussion earlier. <laughs> but uh, I just want to mention, before this today, Tarzan's KDA was 16, and now Beishang has managed to have it. It's sitting at 7.9. Beishang is a KDA leader. He's got that in his back pocket. <laughs> <laughs> a huge like, I, blow. <laughs> can, I, can I just quickly like add one thing about w before you go because i know you're gonna hit absolutely everything good about w <laughs> oh, and i'm yeah, not gonna yeah. have anything please, left to please, say please go i just want to say watching beishang today against tarzan go in yeah. and somehow the community expectation was that lng was the favorite i was just like rubbing yeah. my hands together like this is gonna be a clean <laughs> two zero w hang on gonna just smack Sorry, this one out of the tarzan park. denied beishang the pentakill so Who's the real That's winner? True. Who's the real winner? The, the ultimate revenge. <laughs> the ultimate revenge. But like, wait, look at man, this roster. I already loved WE last year, and now they just have better solo lanes, which were the Morgan. big weakness oh. last year. And like, on top of that, the the thing that I talked about with WE last year, that I, I kept on trying to push this for you guys in story meetings, and everyone was like, "Oh, shut up, Joe." I kept on the saying, pair "These of guys are the French star oh, guardians of the league. These guys have win through friendship and magic, right?" Which obviously is a bit of a stretch. I respect that that is a massive stretch. However, um, Breathe coming into the team, you know, previously Curse, he actually is really good mates with Joel Mung and Beishuk. All of last year, him and Joel Mung would stream duo queue together. They're actually really good friends, and he would joke about being WE's sixth sub or something like this. So coming in this year, it literally is the power of friendship. The best friends we're are still, now we're united still, on WE. We're still not letting you use that graphic that you manhandled in Photoshop, <laughs> which is like all the WE people just put on to the different Star Guardian uh, characters. It's just, it's the worst thing I've seen. It's atrocious. <laughs> It might have to happen. It might have to happen. Anyway, Clement, over to you. Tell me why this team is amazing. You know, I, I, I shot your idea down about friendship because it's it's every team has friendship, you know, and and they just bench teacher Ma. So BLG did it. Friendly? Oh, okay. That, that we're, guys, uh, we're we're gonna use a phrase from now on. It's called "Look it up yourselves." Go do that on Weibo. We're not gonna go into that. Go do that. Do that on Weibo yourselves, okay? But uh, it's a lot of fun. I certainly had a lot of fun, and I think you guys will too. So, 
Anyway, back to WWE. <laughs> back to WWE. Oh man, the thing that surprises me so much about this team is just the amount of lanes that they can play through and amount of carries that they actually have. Because in the previous split, it was all about Joe Mung. You know, he was doing. 35% of his team's damage. They were giving him all the resources. All the soul lanes were going to him. And to play from a single track team and branch out to have multiple carry points and to learn to balance those and play through all of them, to me, that felt like an impossible task. Especially if you looked at what W were doing in the past was essentially, hey, we're running a budget team. The W ownership was very, very explicit about this. We are going to make the team profitable before we do anything else. So they were very, you know, we're, we're just going to run strat strong strategies. We're going to play around our weaknesses, which means our solo lanes you know, don't have to lane. And we we're going to take them out and play them into the bot lane. But what we've seen this split is a lot more about the top top. Uh, top part of the map, three-man game between Missing, Beishang, and Breathe. So you have the BBM combo going in there and it's just messing people up and killing people left and right. They're picking a lot of counter picks for it. And the dynamic of the map has changed completely. It's it's actually much more of a top, top lane focused map where they run hyper carries, but no one actually emphasizes their lane. And to be honest, I don't think Jomun's bottom lane is actually that good. But, uh, but to come wrong. out with a new dynamic and to beat everyone with it is super surprising to me, and we're seeing Beishan reach new heights where he wasn't really allowed to before, where he was much more about, you know, utility, setting up lanes, and kind of keeping tracks on the enemy jungle. Now he's actually a legitimate carry, getting most of the action, getting most of the resources, and we saw today in the games versus Tarzan, when, when you give him those resources, he's going to start executing people left and right. So W has to be the team to watch for me. Their growth in both their talent and their uh, style is so exciting I feel like to watch. Cold has taken on the OMG curse, curse. <laughs> because it's like, <laughs> at least in the top lane, like, curse was still like top five, top six, all of last split when we looked at how good he was as a top laner. And now he's come on to WE and you actually get to see what he can do. And now I'm looking at Cold and OMG and like, these roams are sick. These plays are awesome. Like, Cold has really stepped it up. And then I look at the rest of OMG and I'm like, God, Damn it. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> they put Ooming on for the Shahu lessons. So, you know, maybe that will change. Oh, God. Poor Ooming. Yeah. Poor, poor, poor OMG. Uh, I'm, I'm going to stray away from the topic of OMG because I don't feel qualified qualified to flame them, but that's all I want to do about that team. I'm very much with you on Dagda. Uh, on Dagda? I'm very much with you, Dagda, that Cold is uh, a clear MVP yeah. of that squad. Um. I'm going to shift the conversation forward, so now we're going to move into our next sort of segment, which should be fun. I'm trying to set you guys up to debate a little bit here, because we're going to talk about the AD carry role. And to give some people at home some context here, um, historically within the LPL, AD carry role has been like a very, very heated competition, and there's been arguments to be made of LPL AD carries being the best in the world. Obviously, the, the clearest, easiest example is Uzi, right? Uh, and because of Uzi being in the region, the rest of the AD carry pool had to kind of level up to to try and match that. And we've got Jackylove in 2018 being an exceptional AD carry as well. Now, in 2020, there was a big conversation about how the AD carry pool in the LPL was pretty weak, very much not up to the historic standard uh, of the LPL. And now coming into 2021, it feels like there's been a little bit of a 
an injection of power into this role with players like Viper coming in, players like Aiming coming in from the LCK. And generally speaking across the board, it feels like this role is stronger. So with that in mind, with that context in mind, I want to give it over to my two guests here and talk about the top three AD carries. Now I want, before we give any context, I want you each to drop your top three list and then we're, I'll, first off, I want to see how close you guys are, how much you're on the same page. And then I want to discuss each of these players, how they fit in this role and, and why you've put them, whether you've put them on your rankings. So we'll go with you first, Dagda, then we'll go with you, Clement, and then we will discuss. So Dagda, what are your top three? So I had a really hard time figuring out my third place one because um, there was a couple that I kind of wanted to, to bump up. And like I was looking at LWX, he's had a great split, but I just couldn't put him up high enough um there was aiming as well was very close to taking the spot i think he's been absolutely amazing on blg but as much as sunin are struggling my number three is Wan fong i think Wan fong has been the only real one that's been looking decent on this team well, when i look at the we'll, we'll come back we'll come back to okay. context we'll come back to context. Uh, Just give us number your two is that. another controversial one i have jackie love at two so hey, i didn't hey, put hey, jackie hey, love hey. top uh my best ad carry is viper for me all right, uh, EDG Viper. Yeah, Clement, over to you. What's your What's um, your top I three? I have LWX, Jackie Love, and then Viper as well as top eighty two. Oh, so similar. very similar, <laughs> very similar. So I, I mean, let's just hit the first topic first. Then Viper, guys, tell me why. Tell me why he has come in from the LCK. Obviously, actually, his most recent split in the LCK was pretty not good. Um, He's come in, suddenly the best AD carry in the league. Obviously, he's already had highlight plays on EDG. Sell me this player. Tell me why, as a viewer, I should be excited so, to watch more Viper. So I've been doing the top five plays of the week, where I'm kind of like getting them together to send them over and stuff like that. It's how many Viper clips can I not put into this is essentially what I've got to get to. Because <laughs> pretty much every time this guy plays, there's some highlight clip that pops up. Like, he's got insane Kaisa plays. There was the Zaya play where he ends up catching out the, the opponent. He's got, like, these Unreal Gale Force plays. Like, everything about this dude is absolutely insane. His laning is great. Um, he's been working really well on EDG. But then as well, his playmaking ability when he gets towards team fights where he'll be able to... We've, we've seen the clip that I actually ended up putting into the highlights, which was um, him against FPX, I want to say, where he flies in on the Kai'Sa, ends up picking off the kill. Zanyas avoids the Onslaught of Shadows from Tien, uh, then manages to flash away to get the double kill. Like, ev everything about this guy is so damn clean. I've seen one of these plays that he's tried to make go poorly, and that's it. Every other one has just been a phenomenal play. <laughs> Um, the reason that I'm putting Hyper number one, uh, I agree with all of those highlight points. Uh, his playmaking abilities are just insane, but I, I really give a lot of um, benefit to a player that can be your sole carry on the team. And that's exactly what EDG are doing with Viper. He's ending the game with plus 30 CS over his opponents, and he's also, you know, uh, the best farmer in the league. They're giving him resources, and he's responding very well to that. So, essentially what Viper is, is he's a win condition in and of itself. Like, you, you give him resources, he will carry you to the finish line. And what what's so amazing about him being on EDG, where he's sharing the spotlight with uh, Scout and Flandre, 
you see EDG actually purposefully toning down what Scout is doing. They're telling him, hey, don't don't play that crazy. Just put yourself on an Orianna. You're going to be fine. And they're putting Flandre on stuff like Renekton, where they don't have to play towards his lane at all, where traditionally he's been much more of a split pusher. And they're putting everything onto Viper, and it's turning out for them. So that, for me, is a huge, huge, huge U+, where you actually have a carry of that caliber that can actually just set up your entire team. You don't have to have any second thoughts. You can play around him, and you can set your entire system just based around his play and be very, very sure that he's going to pay off. And for me, that's we haven't that had that sort of an Uzi-esque caliber of an 80 carry mm -hmm. in the LPL for a very, very long time. You think about the guys that have won Worlds, LWX and Jackie Love, they were much closer to role players rather than filling out Uzi's shoes as the main guy that is going to win you the game. And uh, <laughs> that makes the that last statement there makes the rest of the conversation a little bit difficult for you, Clement, because uh, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, those role players <laughs> happen to be your, the top two. Your top I, I did. Players. I did say a caveat there. I did put a caveat is that um, <laughs> is the fact that in in their world's runs, okay? In their world's runs, I, I I don't think Jackie Love and LDLWX were the most important players on their teams. I okay. don't think anyone would say that. So Fair I enough. feel covered on those bases. So but I'm giving... Okay, go ahead. Let, let, look, well, let's bring the conversation to number two then. Let's talk about okay. Jackie Love next. Um, I'm fine for you to go first if you want, uh, Clement, because I feel like you're kind of on a roll here. So so <laughs> really give me the Jackie Love info. Give me the lowdown. Uh, so for me, Jackie Love, his laning phase is still still disgusting. That's one of those things that you can never take away from the guy. And there, there are going to be games where he looks really lackluster and just like walk around and die. But his laning phase, when he's he's awake and sober at least, is still top of the league. And I know that's a big caveat. I know it's it feels really weird to say, but I'm basing this less on statistics because he had, he's had some bad games. But just on the general like feel of how dominant the dominant there are they are and if you look at their games against like you know lgd's bottom lane where zuo is showing up on the alistar and you know they're killing people on one last auto attack using the clean cuts to to snipe someone you really see why jackie love was like the most hype prospect coming into the lpl back again and also just in his team fights this, this man is an absolute killer like he will stand in the front line he will take the brunt of your damage and he will walk away with the majority of the kills on the team and, you know, he, he, I had an interview with Jackie Love. He knows what he is. He's, he's, he's very true to himself. He says, I'm a dumb Draven player. I deal the most damage and I'm going to stand in the front lines. And if I die, it doesn't matter. But he's really good at that role. He's extremely good at that role. He's great in laning phase and he will always dish out the damage that you want him to in team fights. And honestly, talent level I still see him as above LWX. I see this guy as having a higher ceiling than my third place. That's why I'm putting him second. Thanks, where are you at with Jackie? Uh, same as Clement. Um, I think he looks absolutely fantastic. But what, the only thing I'm going to add is that I love how he can look amazing on so many different styles of champions, right? <clears throat> like, we've seen the, the 1v4 outplay that he had in the Kai'Sa, and that's where his bread and butter is, where he looks just absolutely insane, putting off these high-octane mechanical plays. But some of the, the things we don't talk about a lot is like when he goes back onto something like Jin, just his ability to read team fights exactly where he needs to be positioned. Like one of the big things for Jin is when do you open up with the ultimate? Like how what is your ult usage like? What is your deadly flourish usage like? And what I love watching his is his intelligent play in these team fights where it's he'll often hold on to these deadly flourishes for such a long time until it's that crucial moment when you really need that deadly flourish to hit. And even when there's all this chaos, he'll find that picture perfect one. And it's the same when he opens up with the likes of the curtain call where 
it'll always be just the right time but onto the right people and the mechanics again coming through where he's consistently hitting those fourth shots so i love how we get the the two styles where he's very capable of being in the front line and being the no-brain draven player but also you can see that as as true to himself as he is being there is though the intelligence there when it needs to be on these not so flashy champions like the Jin. and i just want to yeah. say without jackie love top esports is actually a bottom team <laughs> he's getting 41 percent <laughs> of the kills on his team right now with knight with 369 on the team so i just want to say top is in a slump but there are some players that are something a lot harder than others <laughs> i think as well like i, I just want to quickly get your guys opinions on can people uh reliably trust top esports to perform because the no. the world's performance was kind of like you know jackie love I, I don't know what he was doing during the that world semi-final like obviously everyone kind of memes about his ezreal eing aggressively and using that as a damage spell which like it, that's not a meme he did that all season it just looked good doing that all season um is there is there a part of you that's like scared for top esports that this could happen again i do i like i i'm very worried about the way top esports play like we kind of talk about the loaded dice that we use in the broadcast or but basically what they do is they skill check you when they skirmish right and the thing is that works in the lpl because they're better than a lot of the players but when you do end up going up against the best in the world <clears throat> they're just as good like that skill check isn't going to pay off and when you're trying to <clears throat> sorry when you're trying to play these very spread out team fights where you're just trying to play the 1v1 or the, the 2v2 where you've got a little bit more man uh, maneuverability and ability to outplay, I don't know if you're just going to be able to do that against some of the best in the world. And I think that's what we saw is that even in week one and week two, or sorry, their first two games of the split, they were trying to go for these plays where they'd outmaneuver people and it wasn't working out for them. Um, whatever, maybe they were just a bit slow or they're only warming up to the season, but I think when they do end up getting to the international stage, this style isn't really going to work. Um, now, it helped a lot in the last two series because Carsa on the Gragas looked absolutely phenomenal and was getting them these big advantages that they could then play through. But you can't just guarantee that that's going to happen. And you can't just guarantee that you're going to be able to outplay your opponent. And as good as they are, I'm not certain when they do get to the higher level that the style that they play with is going to work. And that's why I hope a Warhorse coming in that he's going to be able to kind of beat them into shape a little bit because I'm not fully convinced at the moment that just playing that singular style is going to work. Yeah, Koma's got his belt. Warhorse has apparently got a hammer. That he's <laughs> yeah. going like, to try and knock the kinks out of this team. I'm pretty uh, sure hammers do uh, persistent damage, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave that discussion aside about corporal punishment. We've talked about it enough. Um, well, the comparison I, I, was a belt, so... <laughs> I have two worries about top esports, and one is just the temperaments of these players on the team. Um, I don't think they have players with a lot of killer instinct and are extremely hungry. Now, that especially goes to 369 at night. I think they're, like, meeting them in person and having interviewed them, they're very laid-back people. They're pretty shy people. And 369, and uh, the, the two of them especially, they really feel like kids. And, you know, it's very easy to forget that these guys are just, you know, they're, they're essentially teenagers, you know. They, they've they been out of the house for maybe a couple of years. And um, I, 
they don't feel as menacing as they need to be. And I think that really impacts them when it comes to big moments. A lot of times they don't really step up. When we think about top esports elevating themselves, it's mainly been Karsa because he's really been starving for a long time for a championship. And he will be the one that, you know, hard forces things and carries things. And the other one is kind of Jackie Love, where Jackie Love has a killer instinct. He gets really, really angry and frustrated when he doesn't perform well and he cares about it. But other times he just feels kind of off, and I, I don't, I can't really tell what he's doing, and he's playing well, well below his uh, own performance level. So that's that's the main thing. Temperament, I, I think they need a bit of Mamba in them. They're definitely not the uh, go out and just get it now. Um, the other thing I'm really worried about is Knight, and we haven't actually seen Knight perform especially well for a while. And for me, a lot of it does have to do with his style, because Knight is a player that is more focused on his own lane. What he does is he he beats you, beats the death out of you on CS advantage. He gets a counter pick and then he goes to a side lane and he just split pushes away and you have to two v one him or three v one him. And we've all seen the clips on with him on Echo and Cassiopeia where he just kills you in the two v one or the three v one. And that's his best. That's kind of his best style. He he's very good in that sort of split pushing role and he's very good away from the rest of the team. And what we're seeing right now is the meta is slowing down. It's it's more about team fights, and there, there's generally two styles. There's, there's a team fight style where you have these control mages that are just sitting there in the mid lane, and then you have more roam styles. That's you know like like, like what Doing B is doing essentially, where you're going for the renekton, you're trying to move out of your lane, you're trying to roam with the galley or TF, that sort of style. And and for me, neither of those really fit what is the the real the real strength of uh, of knight which is a side lane split pusher that can duel multiple mm. people at the same time. He's He can play control mages, but team fights are never where, where he was strongest. He can play roam, but he's not usually that willing to roam first. He's, he's kind of a slow roamer. He, he plays for a lane a lot more. So we are seeing basically the, the promise of the, the golden left hand kind of left in the void. He's not really showing up as much. This is kind of why I've always been... More on the fence. I'm, I don't want to stray too much into this topic because we'll go completely off kilter. I've been a fan yeah, of would, Rookie I'm... more than Knight. I think if you actually put Rookie onto top esports, as weird as this sounds and never going to happen, I actually think, as Clement says, that's going to bring the killer instinct that they need and could give them a little bit more of a brute, to be honest, like where they can actually ground themselves. And <clears throat> the big thing as well for... Um, Anyway, look, no, straying too much into that topic. But look, I think that th I agree with Clement in a lot of those situations. You definitely just need yeah. that killer instinct. And that's what's been lacking, certainly from Nice for me. And why I, I like, he's really, really good. Definitely second best mid laner. But when you don't have that, um, the, the that's what has always been like is the ability to hard carry a game if i look at a mid laner and, and what we were kind of talking about with the ad carries was i want someone who's going to step up and be the hard carry if stuff goes wrong it i need someone who's going to stand up we see it with rookie we see him with faker we see him with showmaker like mm -hmm. these players will stand up and carry the game for you that's what's lacking for me with knight i tell you what, i am gonna i'm gonna close the conversation on yeah. knight because we are technically talking about top three AD carries right yeah. now. Oh. <laughs> We've strayed pretty far away oh from God, that route. We can cut it out. But what I Edit. will do, what I will do is I will promise that next week <laughs> on episode two, we will talk about mid lane. And we'll okay. talk about mid laners okay. and, and what makes them exceptional. So if you if you guys really want to hear that conversation, tune in next week, all right? Um, so let's bring it back to AD carries here. Let's talk about number three, because you guys were different on number three. I think Dagda, you were Juan Fong yeah. and Clement, you were LWX. Is I, that correct? Yeah. Yes, I was LWX. So 
Dag, did you want to go? I'm actually. I think I'm actually going. Yeah, I actually. Honestly, I think I would actually put Amy in three, but I'm going to defend one Fung here anyway. Um, so I think the big thing is when I was watching the lane states and I've been talking to Veteran and I was working through him with a couple of stuff as well and just looking at this Sunin bot lane, um, a lot of the problems are actually with On. Um, On's position in the lane is really, really bad. And we just talked about Killer Instinct. On doesn't have that at all. And there's a lot of situations when I'm looking at the laning phase where On will look to... Uh, sorry, Huanfeng will have set up these lane states or will be going for these aggressive trades. And On is just kind of standing beside him or will make a play that's the defensive option that will keep him alive but won't get the double kill from Huan Fong. And there's been an awful lot of these situations that I've seen creep up across both in the LPL and the Damascus Championship. So I think when I look at the issues that are with Sunin, we can say, hey, look, Huan Fong has always been the kind of slow-paced, casual laner where he's just going to farm up but will be more of an impact in the team fights. But at least what I saw was when On had come into the roster, Huan Fong tried to take a more of an aggressive approach in the lane. And it was working well for him, but On just wasn't there to facilitate it. Um, and then when we get into the team fights, well, honestly, Sunin have been abysmal. They like The game we cast yesterday, before that, they had a 14% lead at 15 minutes. Like, 14% of the games, they have a lead of 15 minutes. What is that? Oh like, that is ridiculous. And this is not, like, Quan Fong. This is the team. This has been struggling because he's getting focused on top lane. SOFM not really doing anything in the early game. So when we get to these team fights, you're already at a massive deficit. So what I... I'm not... I think Quan Fong is still a very, very good AD carry. And I think if we took him out onto a different team, he'd look fantastic. Or if we'd have Sunin come in and, you know, get back to what was making them special, I think then we'd look, have Quan Fong look fantastic. But I think the team doing really poorly and also the support obviously coming in from the LDN not looking great, have massively impacted Fong, And I still think if we come back and we reapproach this when Sunin are looking good or if Fong ends up on a different team, we'd all be like, yeah, Fong's right up there. He's looking fantastic. But I think at the moment, the problem for him is that the team as a whole is just not being able to play around him. Fair enough. So great player, kind of that team. Yeah. And I, I think this is a difference of uh, criteria for us. I, I, I'll, I'll be honest. I think Juan Fong is probably the better AD carry than LWX. And, uh, you know, I would be backed up by Gimgoon where he kind of references Ringo and says, LWX, he's probably not even the best AD carry on our team. <laughs> 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 but, um, you, you know, Gimgoon's FPX, about to go Gavi on us. Yeah, that's the corporate culture of FPX. They love shitting on LWX. But I will say this, like, <laughs> the rise of the Phoenix has a lot to do with their bottom lane and LWX actually being in form. Like, he's one of the, mm -hmm. he's been one of the best slayers for multiple splits now, and a lot of times it has been about, you know, not, not about how many people you kill, because it's about how many times you die. And he actually, he's actually quite good on that front as well. Like, he's not, he's not throwing away anything, he's still maintaining very, very high kill leads, and for me, the most important thing was the 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 actual fact that he can branch out onto different champions and actually play Aphelios very well and look good still on stuff like the, uh, I believe, is the Misfortune as well. And that's the sort of flexibility and strength that FPX really needed because you have Nuggery a lot of times on more teamfight where they want to focus on elsewhere on the map and... If you have a winning bot lane, you're able to go into those drakes a little bit earlier. He puts a lot of pressures on these sort of like uh, brawler comps that they like to draft where they don't really have a traditional front 
and backline where everyone's just running in at the same time. And he honestly looks like one of the best Kaisas when he's doing that job. So, you know, uh, yeah. props to LWX. You know, he, uh, I put him here because of impact. I'm not going to say that he's the top three <laughs> AD carry on my list um, without FPX's endorsement, I guess. But uh, for me, he has been one of the most impactful ADCs. Yeah, I agree. Nice. Yeah, I agree. I think the the only thing for me is I think if we end up swapping away from this meta and we do go back to utility style, I think that's where we start to see the issues. I think the meta right now just suits LWX. As you said, like the Kaisa, he's always looked really good on us. It's been one of his pocket mm-hmm. picks for such a long time. Um, and we're starting to see the big lane bullies coming out in the Misfortune, the Seraphine that they brought out. And the Aphelios is that late game scaling where, again, it's the short range AD carry that he can do really well on. But I think if we end up swapping back over towards like the Ashes and these kind of picks, that's where I start to go, okay, where does LWX stock up in the whole thing? And But I have the same thing, the same question for like Viper and Aiming and these guys that are coming over is like, what happens when you've got this ruthless, deadly AD carry who's, you know, been put in the corner? All right, fair enough. Well, I do want to, um, I want to dabble in the conversation of a couple of the AD carries that are just below. I am aware that we are, we're heading towards the hour mark. I'm not, I don't have an exact timer, honestly, on it, but uh, we are getting towards that. And I want to have one more conversation after this. But are there any honorable mentions for you guys that were like close to, but but didn't quite make it. I know you were talking about aiming. Yeah, aiming yeah. for me as well. Yeah, aiming has been amazing. So, On BLG, like, BLG, one of the issues with them has just been, like, how do we actually start off these fights? And, I mean, that was kind of the same issue we had with LGD mm. and Mark, where Mark just won't actually engage. Um, Meteor's been a little bit funky, so, like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> whatever. But, look... I actually think he engages too much, but yeah. okay. <laughs> well, look, they're not great engages. Sorry, I probably, yeah, they're not great engages. Um, he tries real hard. They just don't work um but the uh, the bigger thing i think is that when it comes down to again that 1v9 or at least you know stepping up to make the play aiming has that again and very similar in respects to viper again i was looking through their their last series i think it was against ora i want to say where um ora are backing away and i clement you were actually casting this which was viper goes in and sets up the entire team fight and all i hear is clement go what is this guy doing and then it's like he actually won what wait what that was so tragic yeah. oh my god but it's that that's the kind of thing that i want to see out of these guys and it's nice that Amin is able to bring that to the team plus even on the the likes of Jin, i am um, i think you, clement you mentioned as well that he might have been the shock caller i want to say but anyway he was like roaming up from the bottom side of the map on this Jin was like taking pop shots at the mid laner just to create a little bit of mid lane pressure and get the a bit more uh, room there like these really cool and creative plays that i love seeing um and definitely i actually probably would have slotted him in at number three i just wanted to have a bit of a rant about one fung and how i think he's been held down <laughs> all right misrepresenting uh, your top yeah. three just so you can hey i mean look that's my kind of top three right there it's okay i'm sorry i'm sorry i, I, I didn't i was next yeah I, I didn't realize you guys were gonna be like five head big braining me so hard <laughs> and manipulating my topics but there we go uh, Clement, do you want to have a, a final say on aiming before? Uh, yeah, I I, I I totally agree. For me, uh, statistically, he's the best laning player, and the fact that he's willing to throw down so hard and just go for these like on the knife's edge play, where a lot of AD carries, if they've been in the hyper carry role for too long, they don't really put themselves in jeopardy, um, like the way aiming has done, is so interesting and. I also love his creativity because what happens a lot, I'll kind of clarify on what uh, Dagda was referring to. What happens a lot with BLG is Mark and Bubu will try to go in 
they'll do a terrible job at engaging. They'll have no crowd control whatsoever, and the enemy team just walks in and kills aiming. So what aiming did, which is a five-head, 200 IQ play, <laughs> is he goes in first so that when the enemy team comes at him, Mark and Bubu land perfect crowd control. They reversed it, and it worked perfectly. And I was like... Oh my god, that that is actually genius. That that is so goddamn smart. I can't believe I never thought about that. I would love I would love to like ask him in that moment whether that was like a planned out thing that aiming did, whether he acknowledged this weakness and was like, okay, here's how I could circumvent that, or whether that was just like, oh, I just thought I could get the kill. I thought I could go in. He probably just we'll got never know. We'll Honestly, never he probably know. was just yeah. like, yeah. oh my god, this end this game. <laughs> let's be honest, he he would probably just say, Yeah, I'm the five head, regardless of whether it's yeah. true. So um, I'm going to move the conversation on from AD carries now. Um, and I want to talk about the meta a little bit. As This will be the final topic, I think, um, for this episode, because I think we are getting towards the hour mark or maybe just past it. Um, let's talk about what's good in the meta right now. And I want to hit on a couple of uh, power picks that we've seen and what you guys think of them, whether you think they are deserving of the priority that they've seen. Uh, the first topic I want to hit on is NAR, because it's already been a topic within the community. Uh, we've got some analysts that are like, I hate NAR. I'm talking about LS, obviously, for anyone that doesn't know. He hates NAR. He thinks it's terrible. We've got other people. I was uh, watching Dom stream earlier today, and he was saying he doesn't hate NAR. I th he just thinks it's more situational. Um, what do you guys think about NAR? Do you think this is like first pick blue side, f like, every single game because we've we've seen that please, more please, than i think is fair yeah i lean into the situational um i think if you he i i'm surprised to see him get away with blind pick as often as he does like there's a lot of champions that do really really well into him um and i think that's if you're in a situation where you know exactly what you're up against yeah cool go now you can start to get a lot of like poke underneath the tower and these kind of things but when We've got champions like Jace and stuff that you can still go back to, or even Kennens and this that just make his life a bit of a living hell. It doesn't make a huge amount of sense to me why we're not seeing a little bit more of it. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of lean on to the it's situational. If you already know that your opponent is going something that just gives you the good matchup, cool, go for it. Um, but even outside of the lane, there's so many supports and everything else that just prevent Nar from getting those big ultimates. It still seems like a bit of a weird pick to me. Um, we saw like the mess up where the shy tries to flash in and then misses his like i know he runs out of narbar but misses the ult we've seen uh nuggery end up like just waltzing a wall because he doesn't get close enough like there seems to be a bit of a consistent threat trend here that i think needs to be addressed and i think over time we're just going to see nar phase out i think he's just kind of situational where hey we can go divine sunder we can go stride breaker mm -hmm. for lane we can play this style but otherwise yeah i don't see much. So you, th you think it's kind of a flavor of the month yeah, pick right yeah. now and it will just phase yeah. out. What about you, Clement? Uh, so I think NAR is really, really good as a counter pick against teams that are we ne we're never going to touch the top side. So for teams like Chalitza or, or teams like who are running Cube or who are running New, then yes, a NAR counter pick is great because their jungler's never going to come. You're going to sit in lane for 15 minutes throwing boomerangs at them until the Renekton actually just cries his eyes out. So <laughs> against those teams, it's great. And to be honest, in the LPL, there are there are actually a lot of these teams that just never go to the top side and they just blind pick a Renekton and you know condemn their top laner to purgatory. So against those teams, I think it's great. But the, the, the issue I have with NAR is that he is not a... 
he is not a team fight frontline. Please do not pick Nar and think that yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna transform Mega Nar, you know, I'm gonna go into the team fights, I'm gonna get this three man knockback, it's gonna be great. That never happens. In the LPL, even our best Nars, even Zoom, who who is who is spot on with controlling the Mega Nar bar, almost never could get those situations to work for him because the enemy team can also play around it. You're split pushing. Oh, you just came out of Mega Nar. We're gonna start Baron instantly, and guess what? You're gonna have to teleport here in Mini Nar form. You know, so I think he's really good as a split pusher and against teams that traditionally do not pay any attention to their top side. Um. But if if you're going up against teams, like, e even his win rate against Renekton is negative, which is his hardest, technically his hardest situation, uh, his hardest lane win. He's the hardest It's still counter, a negative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, he's the hardest counter. It's still a negative because Renekton gets early priority. It's very easy to chain CC and just kill you early levels, and things don't go that well afterwards. So it's situational, and I can understand why it's the most picked top laner in the LPL, but that's mainly for bullying other teams that don't, to just leave their top laners alone <laughs> okay well i feel like we've uh, kind of hit that topic pretty heavily there so nice one good job guys um i'm gonna move towards the opposite side of the map next with the zaya pick that we've been seeing in the lpl because i've not been watching every region there's a lot of league of legends going yeah. on right now i'm not gonna lie i've been watching lpl and i've been watching lec and a, a, a sprinkling of lck and we're basically only really seeing Zaya, at least as a big priority pick, in the LPL. Do you guys want to talk me through... Because obviously Kai'Sa is like number one AD carry right now. I think that's pretty clear to see. Talk me through the thought process behind going for Zaya. Because it seems like it's almost a counter pick to the Kai'Sa. Um, so, I, I definitely... Go on ahead, Clement. Go oh, ahead. You, do you want to... Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I, I think a lot of uh, LPL teams, they really like the 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 Zaya into Kaisa matchup, where we have seen a lot of times that Kaisa try to take the one we one v one with serrated Dirk with uh, evolved Q, and Zaya is still able to walk away uh, quite comfortably. You know, she can jump up, dodge most of the Q, uh, dodge most of the Q damage, um, and then with the clean cuts and stuff like that, she can still. Uh, and range advantage, she can still come out ahead in the matchup. So we have seen that quite happen quite a lot. And the other thing I, I do want to say is that in the LPL, there's a lot of teams that actually just run at you. Gore Drinker is very, very prominent in the meta. So you're seeing a lot of top laners just go like Olaf Necton. And against those these champions who don't typically have the best engage, but try to run at you regardless, Zaya is a very good pick because it's very easy to get this blade collar to get the lockdown. Um, it's very easy to dodge their single CC, and you know you, you actually have a lot of survivability against those. We've we've also seen a lot of Mikhail's being run with uh, Zaya to just keep her alive in that situation, or GAs in that situation. So I, I think it's mainly those two things. It's the prevalence of Kaisa and just the prevalence of Gore Drinker bruisers running at your face that makes Zaya a good pick. Yeah, I kind of echo that. Um, I think. Definitely, I've nicked the term from um, Azale, who used it a lot, drain tanks, I think is a really good way to talk about the, the gore drinker users. Yeah. Um, probably a WoW reference, I didn't play it, <laughs> but I think... Um, oh, drain tanks have been around forever, yeah. just so you know. Yeah. But, definitely not an Azale thing. Okay. Um, but, <laughs> sorry, man. Yeah, no, he's fine. I just, I heard him use sorry, it. Sorry, Azale. Yeah. yeah, sorry, Azale. <laughs> <laughs> um, either way, I think it's a nice term, but... Yeah, the, the self-peel is really, really good. Being able to control space as well is really, really handy. Because when you think about, like, a lot of the 
a lot of the champions that we see in the current meta are just really good at controlling choke points and zones. So when you think about like Victors and Syndras and Orianas and Alistairs and Leonas, like these are all things that are really, really good in choke points. So oftentimes I think Zaya works super well in like assisting those because hey teams grouped up in this little choke cool i can fling a bunch of feathers across the choke point and now it's another form of hey stay the hell away from whatever objective we're fighting over and with the number of objectives that are in league of legends at the moment that works super well um so i think that is one of the the things that's underutilized or at least underappreciated for um and then as well the self-peel like as clement was kind of talking about having that ultimate where yeah. you can create this distance between these big uh, drain tanks that are jumping on top of you whether it's renekton nar aatrox everything else just having the ability to peel yourself away is really, really good and as well the build we're seeing is full ad like she's not even going for a lot of a lot of attack speed like we saw the rapid fire cannon today but that was more situational so certainly i think not having to get off as many as much damage over a period of time being able to facilitate this more burst oriented style works super mm -hmm. well against these tanks that are looking to survive forever because you cc them burst them down and you're good to go and one thing I will say as well is some team fights you'll see that I've seen this a couple of times now where the Zaya is just auto attacking the entire time. They've not been under much pressure. They're getting their passive off consistently and throwing these feathers onto the floor. Then they ult and then they blade caller and pull like seventeen hundred feathers from all different directions and one shot the entire enemy team. It's like, good God. How, do you, how there is no position left in this team fight where you could dodge this blade caller anymore. And when like you say, when you're building just AD instead of attack speed, the damage on blade caller is I think heavily underestimated, to be quite honest. Um Clement, you look like you have something to add, but I may just be misreading you there. Okay, I'm just misreading you, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'll, I just wanted to say that I, a lot of times in these meta discussions, I don't see the LCK teams as being, uh, you know, too far apart uh, from the LPL teams because they all play on the same server. They essentially yeah. all know each other's picks, so they share the same champion pool. And a lot of times the differences that uh, viewers might not understand is because, uh, number one, LCK typically does play on a... a a later patch than the LPL does. So they're actually in the future compared to us. And the number, the second thing is they they don't play as much Renekton. Like you've heard LS talk about this. Uh, Renekton is is the LPL's baby. We love that crocodile. <laughs> we will pick him. If we st It really started from season three, but we, we, we've always taken that champion. And on their part, they, on, on the LCK's part, they don't really go for a top laner that like, only gives you priority early is not really that great in terms of team fighting overall they're much more focused uh for for instance the lck is much more focused front to back and they index a lot heavier into aphelios uh compared to the lpl where in the lpl front to back is uh i, I wouldn't call it the best composition at all I, I i think the win rate for pure front to back with warren has actually not been that high outside of a few, few specific teams so that's kind of the difference, and it, it, it's not... I, I, I think the players, at the end of the day, they all play the same champion, but the way the teams are structured and some of the coaching opinions based on that uh, do sort of, you know, veer towards one direction. And I, I really think it's more of like a ripple effect coming in from the top lane and just the way that the LPL prioritizes early game priority and leading to Renekton, and, you know, it has a lot of knock-on effects, uh, on the meta so a lot of times these discussions spiral out <laughs> sorry yeah that's very true I, I do want to help one more champion before we close out the discussion and when we close out the discussion we'll close out the episode as well um i want to quickly hit on graves because graves as of the end of week three 
is still the highest pick rate jungler in the LPL. His win rate is currently 31.4%. He has 11 wins and 24 losses. Guys, what is going on with this pick? Why is everyone still all over it? Why is it losing so much? Like, what? what is the deal? We'll go with you first, Doug. Yeah, so I, I've actually had this conversation with you, Munch, that I wanted to bring it up on the broadcast. And, like, I don't like Graves. I think he's a bait pick. Um, I think the biggest issue for Graves right now is that with the prevalence of AP junglers like Talia, Lilia, uh, Nidalee, all being able to abuse just the range and clear just as quick as them, but also then the amount of range that's in this meta at the moment as well between like Zoe's and Oriandra's and Syndra's and um, just the Victor's as well. Where does he fit in? Like... He tries to go in close to get into these team fights, and he's just getting blasted from every direction from a lot of AP damage, which doesn't suit his kit, and he's not getting these advantages that he was looking for previously. So honestly, I just don't see how Graves fits in. And I think, yeah, he's probably great in solo queue where teams aren't as coordinated, but when you've got these long-range compositions with a bunch of zone control, and you got all these supports that are gunning for you with a heap of CC, you just can't do anything. Yeah, I... I, I think Graves is, uh, he, I, I feel like he's still a very strong pick, but the, the problem with him is is he's not properly uh, properly utilized. Sorry. <laughs> I, I think his best situation is where you're pushing into the enemy jungle, you have a lead into mid lane, and you can use that priority and farming speed to take away most of the enemy jungle and actually act in a sense that uh, you, it's, it's like Canyon on Graves was magnificent in 2020. He won worlds with it, essentially. It was one of the most important picks right there, and we saw its power. It's basically you have to play that style where it, you're taking away everything and using your, your clear speed and the fact that, you know, you're probably, uh, in terms of early game, the best AD champion there is right now and sort of abuse that to the point that the enemy jungle can't farm properly. But if you don't do that, and a lot of times if you blind pick him and you your mid lane gets counterpicked and you never go into the enemy jungle, he feels like a bit of a waste because he's, he's you're going to late game. He's like Dagda was talking about. He doesn't actually get the AP defense from True Grit. Um, and he's essentially just a very short range AD carry with questionable burst and doesn't have any backline access. Those are a lot of cons to actually be playing against. So you really have to focus on him uh, for mid or for both positions in mid-jungle, and snowball him from start to finish. I think he's still viable in that position, but the larger picture of the LPL is generally that, hey, we're not actually playing for cho uh, for, for choking out the enemy jungle. We're not actually risking ourselves going into the enemy jungle because there's so many crazy supports that roam in level 3, level 4. A lot of teams have been very, very good at defending their own jungles, and it's just we we have seen more of an emphasis for lane ganks coming out of the LPL. Pantheon especially is the main one. His win rate is through the roof, and we also see Nidalee fill in sort of the same role. Where if you just gank their lanes and you don't have to risk walking into enemy vision and contesting them, where honestly a lot of bot lane picks they don't they function without their support. You, you throw Jin in the bot lane, he doesn't need his support. Go 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 somewhere else. And that's what we see out of FPX. That was, that's what we see out of WE, where they're constantly roaming their support's top lane. And trying to invade on enemy jungle is actually incredibly risky. So I, I think that's the main reason. And I, I do believe that the, the, the main trend is more Gragas and more Pantheon for the LPL. 
All right. Well, I think you guys have. Uh, I'm, I'm glad I asked these questions because I feel like I don't know if you guys had prepped for these specifically because I didn't tell you what they were going to be, but uh, you guys have smashed that. So uh, I'm going to close out. I just want to say I'm Eddie, glad you didn't bring up Moonstaff. I was going to say Eddie last. I'm thoughts. glad you didn't bring up Moonstaff because I don't think we're going to see it in LPL. I just don't we think it's a thing. Yeah, I just don't it. think we're going to see it. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll we'll talk about that in a future episode if we yeah. start to see Moonstaff uh, coming on through in the LPL. Any last thoughts? Anything that we should say to the viewers as we move forward with the LPL? We're gonna, as this is recorded, we're just about to start week four tomorrow. Anything? Any last thoughts about teams, about matter, about anything that you guys want to say to the audience before we close it out? No, just PP God is going to worlds. <laughs> preach. <laughs> I'll just I defer really to what you said up. about V five earlier on yeah. uh, in the yeah. episode. Just clip <laughs> that and put it right here. Just. <laughs> I just get yeah. I'll get the clip of him saying that, and the clip of him saying Sabdi's kind of suspect. This team really sucks because yeah. of the bot side. <laughs> no, but I, uh, hey, hey, I, I really love that team. That team is so fun yeah. to watch, and who doesn't like yeah. fast games? <laughs> exactly. I am taking you out of context there as well, Doctor Eddie. Eddie, final thoughts. Uh, no, just thank you and keep on watching the LPL. We appreciate all the support. Awesome. All right. Well, that is episode one done and dusted. Thank you so much for watching and or listening. In case you missed it at the start, we are on YouTube, we are on Twitch, and we are on Spotify if you want to listen to this while you're commuting or however you want to listen to this. Thank you so much for listening. I've been Munchables. I've been joined by Dagda and Clement Chu. Go follow them on Twitter. They're fantastic. Uh, And with that said, we'll close out the episode and we'll see you guys next week.